You are now tuned in to Poppy Chulo Radio, your web portal for the best in pop culture news and interviews. So don't call us heroes for something else. We're legends. Who writes this crap anyway? The following is a Poppy Chulo Radio original program. The views and opinions expressed in the commentaries and or interviews in the following program are solely those of the individuals and are not views of Poppy Chulo Radio, its parent, affiliate, or subsidiary companies. Welcome to Time Masters, the unofficial DC's Legends of Tomorrow podcast, a PoppyChulaRadio.com original series. PoppyChula Radio, pop culture on demand. Today is Tuesday, October 30th, 2018, and I am your host, Michael Pena. During this podcast, we're going to recap, review, and dissect the latest episode of the CW series, DC's Legends of Tomorrow. But first, please welcome my co-host, James Keith. What in the Disney hell is this? <laughs> what in hell indeed? Jeffrey Aruz. Bippity, boppity, oh. Oh, indeed, and finally the one and only Professor X. I can't remember any of the great lines from the episode. Hi there. <laughs> and hello to you, sir. Now let's jump right into our recap of Season 4, Episode 2, which was titled Witch Hunt, and aired on October 29th. Here is the official synopsis of the episode. When the magical time seismograph goes off, the team finds themselves headed to the Salem Witch Trials. Sarah notices that Zari is taking this case personally when she promises to save a mom who is being accused of being a witch. However, the team quickly learns that there is a magical creature in the town creating problems they hadn't been expecting. Meanwhile, Nate and Ava work together to try to keep their Time Bureau funding by proving to them that magic exists. Now let's check in on the ratings for Season 4, Episode 2. This episode was viewed by 966,000 total viewers and .3 in the demo rating. Now sadly to note, dropping below, this is the first time it has dropped below a million viewers for the first time ever. Now, that's enough of the bad news. The good news, guys, is what are your reactions to this episode being the dubbed Halloween episode of the season? We'll start with you, Mr. Professor X. What's your initial reaction to this episode? Uh, I really enjoyed it. I, I, there were a couple of little things I wasn't crazy about, uh, but overall, uh, you know, I, I just, uh, you know, Legends has become my favorite of the Arrowverse shows, and, uh, you know, I, I just love the amount of time that they've spent on the characters and how we're getting the payoff in terms of, uh, of how they're relating uh, to each other, and I think uh, adding Constantine to the mix uh, is uh, is going to really pay off, and we got a sense of, of exactly how that'll pay off uh, in this episode. Uh, we even got some, you know, glimpses at, uh, you know, the Time Bureau. We got Sieva and uh, and Gary at work, and, uh, no, I, I really enjoyed this episode. 
All right, I, I gotta agree, agree with you 100%. I can't wait to get into more details later. But first, Mr. James Keith, your initial reaction, sir. Even though I wasn't here last week, I will say that each episode of Legends just keeps getting better and better, in my opinion. With the addition of Constantine, of course, my man crush, as you guys know, just makes it all the more better. And even this episode itself was just full of, uh, you know, wacky antics and, you know, even Ray and uh, Mick being turned into pigs, basically. As soon as uh, magic was added, you know that hijinks was going to ensue. And uh, Legends just keeps getting better, in my opinion. And only, even though we're only two episodes in, I really like where the season is going. And I really just, I really love this episode. No complaints from me. Awesome. We're two for two on the positive vibes. Jeffrey, will you keep the streak alive? What is your initial reaction? Oh yes, three for three. I loved it. I loved it. I loved it. It was so batshit crazy, yet absolutely perfect. I just loved it. Awesome. Well, I'll make it a four for four. I have to agree with everyone's sentiments at the moment. Uh, It was a great all-around episode. I'm getting more impressed with each episode. Granted, it's only been two, but continuing from last season, the episodes themselves are Almost so good you can watch them individually whenever you wanted to without being bored or so much having to refer back to another episode. And it was overall great. Before we get into a thorough recap of the latest episode of DC's Legends of Tomorrow, here's our announcer Gideon with a few special announcements. Thank you, Captain Michael. We have an incoming communique from the Time Bureau. Binge listen to your favorite Poppy Chula radio podcasters discussing some of your favorite television shows. Visit poppychularadio.com slash podcasts for a complete list of all the podcasts that we produce. You will get up-to-date information on whether the podcast is currently releasing new episodes or if it's on hiatus. You will also be able to click a link to either take you to Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or the Poppy Chula Radio archives to download the podcast. To binge listen to your favorite Poppy Chula Radio podcasts, visit poppychularadio.com slash podcasts. Would you like to be one of the podcasters on this podcast discussing your favorite television show? Email talent at poppychularadio.com. We are always looking for new voices to add to our collection of podcasts. To become a co-host you must be at least 18 years old. You must be comfortable sharing your opinions. And you must be comfortable using Skype. There's no podcast experience required. So if you think you have what it takes to be a Poppy Chula Radio on-air personality, email talent at poppychularadio.com. We look forward to hearing from you. This is a Poppy Chula Radio special announcement. Poppychularadio.com is currently looking to expand its web presence, and we're looking for your help. If you're a fan of Poppy Chulo Radio and its signature series, please visit GoFundMe.com slash Radio and help us with our campaign. Every dollar amount donated will be improving the Poppy Chulo Radio experience and making it more interactive and user-friendly. We thank you in advance for your support. This has been a Poppy Chulo Radio special announcement. We now return you to our regularly scheduled programming. End of transmission. Back to you, my captain. All right, thanks, Gideon. 
Thank you for being back with us, uh, specifically James Keith and Professor X. Uh, Jeffrey and I missed you guys. So glad you're back on the way, Ryder. So I'm going to ask uh, you guys first. Uh, James, you know, we saw that I'm going to stick with uh, go couple by couple just to make it up a little bit different. Is We saw Ava Sharp and Nate team up. Now, for me, I feel like that's the first time we see that couple specifically together, the pairing. What were your reactions and thoughts and the chemistry between these two? Do you want me to talk about it like like the whole stuff with Ava and uh, Nick all together, or? Yeah, Ava, Ava and Nate. I want, I want, I want your thoughts, what you like, what you didn't like, what are you thinking going forward? I'm going to give you this floor for that right now, my friend. All right, thank you very much, Mr. Pena. I, you know, I never thought that I would see Ava and kind of Nate, you know, interact with each other aside from, you know, a quick kind of like mission brief or anything, but... Those two, they do have chemistry together, and I'm not saying, you know, chemistry as a relationship-wise, but, you know, they kind of play off each other. But then again, Nate is kind of just an all-around, I don't, I wouldn't say goofball of a guy, but, you know, he's an all-around guy that can, you know, mesh and uh, jive with everyone as well. So seeing um, what they got up to was definitely funny. The stuff with him and his dad was definitely uh, interesting to see because, of course, we don't really... We haven't seen much of Nate's past. It's only with this season we finally, you know, meet his parents, basically. And finding out that his dad, of course, we would know that he was working for some shady government thing his whole life. And then the fact that we find out that he works for the Time Bureau specifically as well, that was definitely, you know, a twist. Well, he works for the Department of Defense, which funds the Time Bureau. Yeah, yeah. Tomato, tomato. We'll, we'll, we'll say that. <laughs> but just seeing that twist and all that, and it was just great. And I love how Nate at first was like, no, I don't want to do this. You know, send Gary, and Gary can do this. And I just love how – I know I'm going to bring Gary into this, but, you know, like I just love how he tried to, like, fill in for Nate and just the way he delivered his lines and all that to his dad. And he's just like – what the hell is going on here? Like, give me proof. I love how Gary just pulls out. He's like, you want proof? I lost a nipple to a horse, man. And, oh, my God. That, yeah. Like, <laughs> that, that was, was just crazy. insane. Like, no, I, only a show like Legends can get away with something like that. Like, if on Arrow, Oliver just started pulling up a shirt and being like, looking at my nips, I'd be like, what are you doing, man? But the fact that Legends can get away with it, uh, is just hilarious. There, I can't. I don't really have any complaints because I just loved everything about, you know, just Ava and Nate as well. No, yeah, I, I gotta agree with you on that. The fact that Legends has been able to prove time and time again they can pull off the most odd and far fetched ideas or just one liners, but it fits with them so perfect because of the execution. And I, and I was intrigued with the fact how Nate and Ava worked off each other really well. I gotta give props to the actress for Ava. I don't know her real name. But Jess McCallan. She's an amazing actress. I mean, she is able to work with anyone because she's so good at just reacting to people with her body language and her facial expression that it works perfectly for for any scene. Uh, Professor X, I want to give you, for me, what I feel is the big question of this episode. Not big question, but just your response and reaction to the big bad of this episode considering this is a season of mythical creatures or mythical fugitives as they're calling him which was a nice 
way of them not saying anachronisms or all those other past things to get rid of. But what are your thoughts on literally the Disney fairy godmother as the big bad of this episode? What are your reactions? And did you love her? Did you hate her? Did you want to see her again? Oh, I loved her. I thought uh, she was fabulous. It was a great idea for the villain because, you know, she does look so unassuming and uh and has that charming british accent and oh she's just you know she's so sweet and lovely and you know she's no she is really dangerous and of course we find out later in the episode she knew exactly who john constantine was and and manages to drop some hints about you know just what he's facing as well so i thought she was great because you know she was played so sweet and charming and bubbly and over the top but there was that undertone of malice. I think the uh, the actress they got to play her, um, you know, did a fantastic job of, of playing that sort of, you know, uh, twisted version of the the Disney uh, fairy godmother. And, and also, you know, uh, I love the fact that she was sort of like, you know, bitching the way that a fairy godmother would. You know, the, oh, they want are these things and that things. And one of them won glass shoes. Who would want glass shoes? Think of the blisters. Um, it was a really great take on, you know, the uh, the notion of a fairy godmother and what would happen to that character if she got pissed off at it. But unfortunately, her nature is that she has to serve someone. She has to, uh, you know, do the bidding of someone else. And uh, that was, a, you know, a great restriction on her power. And, oh, no, I just loved uh, that woman. Uh, I thought she and John Constantine had a great chemistry with each other. And, and I would... I, I found myself wondering, are they like actors who've worked together in the past, you know, in British theater or British movies or something like that? Because they just seem to have such a great vibe with each other that uh, I really loved. Oh, yeah, you hit the nail on the head right there. You know, their the interactions were awesome. And this actress who played the fairy godmother, it, it was it it was so well done that you learn new things about the character if they truly even exist. And as you mentioned, they put the restrictions on her, which I felt like were perfect because she was all powerful, but only to the limit of whoever her host body was. And I thought that was, I mean, really intriguing. And the fact that they legitimately brought up the Disney story per se, and you know, what went down and how she became, she kind of got pissed off. And you always wonder, you know, do those stories ever, ever have an actual happy ending? And we're slowly learning. They really don't. Uh, Jeff, real quickly, do you have any thoughts on Mary Poppins? Excuse me, not Mary Poppins. I'm so sorry. The fairy godmother, the beepity boppity boop lady, uh, in this episode. You know, what were your your thoughts about it? Oh, she was fantastic. Everything about her was pitch perfect. The singing, the overly saccharinely sweetness. You know, laced with the sinister, uh, just undertones. She was just fantastic. She played it well. I loved everything about her. I just thought she was so much fun. And uh, something that I thought was interesting, because, uh, you know, in, like, Cinderella and that kind of thing, you don't really think about, like, the actual quote-unquote rules of the fairy godmother. So I like that they kind of made her magical rules kind of like a genie. And I wasn't sure if that's where they were going to go specifically. Like, I wasn't sure if they were going to end up classifying her, uh, magically speaking, as like a genie. I was kind of waiting for them to go uh, that route, but they didn't. They actually still classified her as a fairy godmother. And I guess there's this um, class of fairies that uh, have this special designation in the magical mystical world uh, that uh, is being featured on legends and i really like that i like that she has her own mythology i thought it was really interesting yeah it really was and i and, I, and i'm liking the fact that i hope they go more in depth as they 
go further because the unicorn there wasn't so much of a background but with this magical mythical uh, fugitive there was a background so i'm i'm hoping to go they go into a deeper dive every time which would be pretty cool to find out and eventually find out who's after john constantine i know i want an aswang like fast <laughs> that uh, sounded yeah. creepy as fuck with like the the tongue and like oh usually asian mythical creatures are insanely creepy oh yeah like i mean i could imagine you yeah know, and i don't doubt them putting it you know past them to do an episode like that you know and then even just having the scenery and the backdrop and the setting for that you know would be amazing you know and speaking of settings and backdrops i mean legends does it again am i right going to the salem witch trials i thought it looked awesome it was a good flow it was a good time period the interactions you know just the way the fear-mongering that was legitimately happened back in the day you know what i felt like was portrayed very well uh professor x you know what was your thought you know in kind of this reenactment of historical fear-mongering back in the day when they thought witches were real and how it fit into this episode of the legends and you know zari's reaction to that you know seeing evil people doing bad onto others just because they did they didn't understand and her feeling that same emotions and what happened but in her future time yeah that was one of the things that you know in my first watching of it that that struck me as a little off i didn't like that uh zari sort of you know went rogue and uh uh you know uh you know, tried to change history on her own because she's dealt with that and the consequence of it on the other hand if you're going to have a character do that and you sort of need to for for conflict it, it kind of has to be zari uh, you know, uh, especially because, you know, she is dealing with the consequences of being from a future in which this sort of thing is still a reality. So this would obviously strike her on a very, uh, you know, uh, personal level. And uh, even though, you know, having her go and, you know, using her powers on a group of, of people and, and basically looking like a witch in power, uh, you know, was not the smartest move. So I wasn't crazy about that. Um, but, uh, you know, she was sort of the person who had to do it. And I thought it was, you know, we've talked about, you know, other shows, uh, being overtly political. This was sort of a, a subtle way of, uh, bringing up the, the political idea that much as we like to look back at, oh, the ignorance and foolishness of the past, you know, what are we doing now that people will look back on 50 years, a hundred years from now and say, oh my God, I can't believe you guys were doing that. Uh, and I think that was a good way to bring that out and uh, and to have Zari be the one to say to the little girl, well, no, actually, uh, th this continues to be a problem well into the future, but you have to be better than them. Uh, I thought it was, was really good, and it was it was a nice you know bit of development and, and growth for Zari. So I thought she played it uh, uh, quite well, and as I say, I, th I think she's the only character who could have done that in that situation. Oh, I, I agree, and I, I personally love that scene. Basically, the the angel on the shoulder with the devil on the other shoulder being like like fairy godmother, and they're both talking to Prudence, saying, you know, you need to be better. And the godmother's like, no, you need to be stronger. That was just an awesome scene. And as we've noticed in past episodes, there's always an underlying underlying underlining, excuse me, a political, you know, message or just, you know, of what's going on currently. I would always say, at least within the U.S. or the current state, you know, of humanity at the moment, just kind of reflecting what's going on, kind of like it's happened before, you know, but showing it, in, I feel like, tastefully. Uh, James, what was, your, what was your reaction to kind of Zari going AWOL and just, man, she was about to legit kill people, but kind of redeems herself at the end? 
this one or this part, like you know, I kind of uh, understood why Kanazari, why she would go a little bit rogue. But I'm glad that you know she. I like how at first she tried to be like you know, the not really not necessarily the puppet string master, but you know she tried to like make it look like the uh, the mother. She was doing you know the wind magic and all that, and then she finds just like ah screw this, and she started like you know showing herself it's like it was me it was all me come at me you know and all that and i like how eventually like you know i didn't know she could actually like suck the wind or the air out of people like that was kind of like uh cool to see but at the same time it's like ooh, wow that was so awesome don't piss her off she can kill you that was amazing (laughs) <laughs> like it was it just surprised me i was like damn she's got like more power than i thought and uh, the fact that she hold, held back and all that you know was a great sign to see because i didn't want her to start becoming a killer oh i, I agree you know with that that's true that the fact that they showed her all uh, her hidden anger i mean she's always been cynical and sarcastic but you know that's just was the cover-up to all the hatred and anger she's been holding inside of her and it kind of came out and it's pretty cool. What I liked about it is, I mean, it seems like a repeat of her trying to go rogue out of anger, but it was a good lead off from the previous episode, as she had mentioned, that we saw her see her mom and her younger self, and she couldn't do anything. So it kind of, you know, reignited this hatred flame that she had. So it kind of just blew up in this episode, which kind of, you know, which makes sense. Uh so this is a lot of Zari into it, which is interesting, but we also had the famous... Well, actually, awesome... before we move into that, Go I just wanted it. to highlight the moment in which uh, Zari was speaking to the mother. I believe her name was Jane, correct? The Virgin, yes. Go on. No, not the Virgin. But uh, it, it was just so beautifully done. Like, you could see her, like story coming through uh, Zari's you could see where she's like paralleling what she's seeing with her own life I thought both of them like played it really well but seeing Zari like really like see her story in this family story I I thought was really powerful last week when we did the the podcast we didn't really talk about that very small scene I'm glad that you mentioned it uh, Michael but yeah like that small scene, plus like this whole storyline and what she's experiencing, obviously it just drummed up a lot of parallels to her own life in the future. And I thought the writers and the actors did a really good job handling the material. And uh, I love all of the effects that they used for her wind power. Like, uh, as James mentioned, like the fact that she can suck out the air from people's lungs. Like, that was just amazing. That was a power that we had never seen before. So, uh, I I like that a lot. Uh, They gave uh, Zari a lot of material in this episode. And uh, I thought she stepped up to the plate and knocked it out. Do you think she'll eventually go back to her future? Because I I just kind of thought about it when when she brought up her, you know, past or her technical future. Are you asking me in or or just in general? Oh, just, just in general. Anyone who wants to jump in, just, you know... Will she? You think she'll ever? I mean, she eventually has to go back, right? But do you think it will ever, it will ever change, or is she just going to go back and try to fight the resistance going forward? Well, I think it's because it's the future in the timeline. She doesn't necessarily need to go back, as in 
like when they pluck people from the past and they have to go back to the past to fulfill their destiny that uh, would have already happened for the people that live in the future or in the quote-unquote present. So I don't know if she necessarily needs to rush to go back. Uh, because this is Legends, uh, I wouldn't be surprised if at some point they want to shake up the cast or maybe she wants to go do other things acting-wise and maybe the character has to leave. But uh, for as long as uh, we're going to have her, I love that they're using Zari or as a... As a Sarah lovingly calls her Z uh, to the Z. fullest because she's awesome. She's a great character. Oh, okay. I mean, when you brought up that scene when she's talking to the mother, she was talking about herself, which I thought was you can she portrayed that really well. That she wasn't so mad at her; she was more like mad at herself for not being able to do more to protect her mom and didn't want the same thing to be put on this younger girl. But the mother yeah. understood it had to be done. Yeah, she totally let it slip when she said um, her power. And I'm like, she's not a witch. So yeah. I'm like, oh, you're talking about yourself, and you're doing it in a really well way. Like, I liked it a lot. Oh, 100%. Uh, Professor X, this was, I feel like, the first official episode where John Constantine was an actual legend. So this was his first go-around. How do you think he did the character in his uh, first go-about with the legends defeating uh, the big bad of the episode? I believe technically John Constantine would insist he was a consultant, not a member. Um, I thought it was great. I, I really liked the fact that they paired him up with Mick because, you know, those are two characters who, you know, are both uh, very alpha, very abrasive, uh, and very used to getting things their own way. So putting them together alone on the ship uh, was great because you got to see them just rubbing each other the wrong way pretty consistently. Um, I also liked, you know, the idea that, you know, um, you know Constantine is you know, not a classic hero. You know, when he says, I'm not, you know, a hero, I don't wear a suit and everything like that, that's true. He is, you know, he's obviously, and they, they mentioned at the end of the last episode, they certainly played it up um, uh, in this episode as well. He's with the legends not to help them, uh, but to help himself. And that's always a big uh, John Constantine thing. He will do good along the way sometimes, incidentally, but he should always be uh, looking out for number one. And one concern I had about Constantine joining the Legends was I was afraid that they would, you know, undercut his character. He works so well when he is basically a selfish bastard. Uh, that's the heart of the Constantine character, and I worry about, you know, you know, network notes about, oh, he's, he's not nice enough or, you know, uh, we need to make him more relatable or something like that. So I hope they do keep that going, that, you know, he is basically, you know, manipulating them, going behind their backs, willing to do deals with the bad guys, uh, if it's what saves him. Uh, and I think that'll be a nice sort of running element uh, that'll take us, you know, through, uh, you know, a good part of the uh, the season. So I really liked it. I thought, uh, you know, he fit in really well. Uh, he, he, he bounced off the other characters well. Uh, and, uh, you know, just having him there, you know, as a slightly, you know, uh, abrasive figure. Um, uh, worked really well because, you know, Mick is, is an abrasive figure as well. We've gotten to know him so well that he's sort of like, you know, the big cuddly abrasive figure. Uh, having Austin <laughs> there just being a jerk, uh, you know, gives, uh, you know, a nice dynamic to it. You know, he's, uh, he's the character who's, who's, you know, in the classic reality TV sense, not there to make friends. That's true because you also brought up a good fact that John Constantine, he wants to help, but he really wants to save his own ass because he knows who's after him. And what better to have a big group with powers to assist him if needed. And he tried to make a deal with the fairy godmother, who seems pretty powerful. Not all powerful, but pretty strong. But even she 
chose hell over helping Constantine. Uh, what do you think of that uh, that revelation, uh, Professor X? When that little interaction happened, she kind of revealed like, "I'd rather be be with the devil and suffer than go against the guy who's after you." I thought that was nicely done, and and again, it sort of you know they they sort of dropped a little hint the "I'm coming for you, Johnny" uh, at the end of uh, the first episode, uh, but then sort of you know playing up the idea that you know whatever is coming for Constantine, it's obviously. You know, not that he's fearful for no reason. It's something that is scaring even other scary creatures. And I think that was a really good way of establishing, you know, the threat that he's facing. Uh, and the fact that he is willing to, you know, do deals and, and manipulate behind the scenes in order to protect himself. Which, as I say, is a very uh, John Constantine thing to do. Um, and uh, so I thought, yeah, that was that was very nicely done to reinforce the level of threat. Because it was sort of thrown in at the end of the last episode. It wasn't clear just how bad it would be. Um, and I don't know if it's going to be like a big bad for the season or anything like that, but I thought having it come out of her mouth, uh, you know, as, as a very powerful creature who is willing to pass up, is willing to go to hell rather than stay and help him because what he's facing is so much worse than that. Uh, I thought that was a very clever way to, uh, to sort of subtly ramp up the threat that Constantine is facing. True. G- good points. And to stick on Constantine, James, Keith, I'm going to ask you now. I could be reading too much into it. I normally do, but I ask the questions anyways. John Constantine mentioned that he's just a consultant at the moment and there to help when needed or if needed, at least for the season. For the season. And I wonder, do you think, is it possibly a way the producers, the directors, or the writers are kind of test running John Constantine as a member of the Legends to see how the audience reacts to him? I definitely kind of agree if they're kind of going with that angle because it seemed like when they first announced season four and that he was going to be on there, they were like, he's a series regular, you know, he's going to be part of the legends. But now it kind of seems like they might, they might like say that in the long run, but it seems like these first couple of episodes, they're kind of testing John out to see how people like him. And the fact that he's like, hold on, I'm not a legend. I'm just a consultant. Don't get your hopes up. It kind of, speaks on uh, like two levels almost but they did say that he was going to be you know like a regular a series regular on season four of legends so i don't think they're gonna kick him off like right now because i don't know they've probably done like half they've probably filmed half of the season already so i mean they could you know like if, if people don't like him they could like you know edit him out and all that but i kind of doubt that's going to happen because it seems like people really like, uh, you know, Matt Ryan as John Constantine. You know, I'm one of those people. I, I talk about I talk about it all the time on this podcast and all that. And the consensus from, uh, sorry, right? No, you. I agree with you on that point. But do you think this season is sort of a test run to for the producers and then writers to see if maybe they'll keep him on more than this just one season? I definitely think that is also a possibility as well. We don't know if. Like, uh, John Constantine is going to be around after the season ends, but I kind of hope so. So we're just going to have to wait and see. You know, we don't all have wave riders. We can't see the future. We just got to let, you know, things play out as the way they are. Very true. Very true. And to see how things play out, Mr. Nate has decided to take on another position, as it seems. Now, this surprised me, and it doesn't surprise me. And I kind of like it, and I kind of don't like it. Because to me, he's a legend, but now he's found himself as a Time Bureau. 
But you know what? It kind of fits, and I feel like they want to save on the special effects on his super stealing up. And he's an okay hero, still doesn't know how to fight. But uh, Jeff, what are your reactions to this and possibly Nate being on two teams or mainly on the Time Bureau's team? I thought it was an interesting choice out of all of them, to be honest. I think I'm the coolest with him being away from the team. And I really loved his pair up with uh, Ava. Like, they were just fantastic together. If he develops, like, a little bromance with Gary, that's going to be awesome, too. I like that they're giving him a more serious arc. Like, they're still keeping him kind of goofy and nerdy and geeky and that kind of thing. But they're giving him this really nice arc with his father. So, if this allows him to bond a little bit, a little bit more with uh, Papa Hank then I think I'm kind of cool with it. I am going to miss his bro down with Ray and that kind of stuff, but uh, I think I'm good with this. It sort of opens Ava's world a little bit more. It opens up the Time Bureau a little bit more, especially since they have this new, darker, more serious-looking set for the Time Bureau. I'm kind of here for it. I'm going to... I'm, I think I'm going to be um, pleased with what we're going to see with uh, Ava and uh, Nate, just based off of uh, the interactions in this episode. Like, their opening scene was fantastic, with him kind of crashing there, and the whole uh, coconut oil. Oh, I think I'm going to try that. Like, it was just fantastic. They work really well together, so I'm my interest is peaked when it comes to this pairing. No, yeah, I, I think it'll be a good and interesting fit and it kind of fits around his realm a little bit and like you said it gives him a different angle to kind of go off of rather than just being the silly know-it-all history guy we'll see him as a more serious worker to use his intelligence towards another avenue rather than just fighting people or trying to apprehend you know these quote-unquote fugitives now a random question uh, anyone can jump in with Nate seemingly on the Time Bureau clock, do you guys fear this may potentially open up a seat on the Wave Rider for maybe another consultant slash intern legend? Duh. Since no one's jumping, Professor X, what do you think? I think it's a possibility. Um, I think uh, they have, you know... You know, Nate has always been kind of a difficult character for them to write to. Uh, you know, he's he's frankly he's a lot more fun when he's not all armored up. Um, you know, because of, of his broy tendencies and the relationship that he had with uh, with Ray. If they are sort of setting up, you know, a romantic arc with uh, uh, with Ray uh, for later this season, as has been speculated, then it kind of makes sense. You want to get rid of uh, Nick because uh, he's just going to be in the way. Um, you know, giving him the opportunity to, uh, to, you know, reestablish a link with his dad isn't bad. I kind of like the idea of seeing a little more of, uh, of what's going on inside, uh, the Time Bureau. Um, I do find it a little weird the Time Bureau requires government funding because couldn't you just go back in time and invest like a hundred dollars a thousand years ago and you'd be infinitely rich now? That's what compound interest is. Uh, or just History go back friend. in time. You can't do that. Says who? It's the Time Bureau. Or just go back in time to the uh, the bonfire of the vanities, uh, grab all the vanities that were going to be burned anyway, bring them to the future and sell them. Again, you could make a fortune. This is why they took the time machine away from me. 
Um, but no, I kind of like the idea. Um, I don't necessarily want to see Nate uh, leave the team, but yeah, you're right. It does open up the possibility of of adding another character, perhaps you know uh, another magically attuned character or something like that, uh, to uh, to beef up the uh, the legends. That might be an interesting way to play it. True. I just thought about that. Thought about this. I, I assume Nora would eventually join the team at some point or at least assist them so this kind of gives them the space for that right and uh, there are two additional people that have already been cast what yes there's one character that i don't remember anything about but there is another female that's joining and we have to remember Maisie richardson sellers is returning and if i'm not mistaken i believe she's returning next week as a brand new character how they're going to explain this i don't know but the fact that nate isn't there that's going to be good because i mean wait that that was what was her that that was vixen yes because i mean i really don't want to see him like if i don't know what route they're going i don't know if she's going to be a descendant i don't know if she's just going to be someone that looks a whole lot like her but uh if they're gonna go either of those routes like because he looks because she looks so much like uh vixen like i really did not want like nate pining over her or like being reminded Uh so this might help that out so that whenever he does return or he ends up seeing her he he might be kind of over it or he might not um be as uh emotional maybe I don't know. That's true. It explains why she was at San Diego Comic-Con with the cast now, so that does make a lot of sense. Yes. She's a brand new character. Uh, (laughs) She looks very different. I've seen images of the next episode, and she looks kind of funky. I don't know what they're going to do with her, though. I'm very confused. Very, very interesting. Well, so far it's been a good, I feel good two episodes. I want to talk about something that's a little... It's related, but not related to what happened in this episode. As I mentioned earlier, for the first time ever, even through that horrible first season of Legends, the viewership went down below a million viewers. Now, do you guys think this is just a random trend because it's just starting? Or do you feel that the show is losing its theme? Or could it be the new time slot behind Arrow since Arrow doesn't have its viewers? But I feel like... The viewers who would really like Legends saw The Flash also. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? James, we'll start with you. Do you think, you know, the the low viewership is due to the time slot or because of the show? What do you think? Um, well, I'm not too sure if it's due to the time slot because if I remember right, last season, it also was on Mondays at 9. And the second it- half. It was either on an 8 or 9. Yeah, yeah. it was, it was, it was either like on Monday or something. Correct, but that was the second half of the season. The first half, it followed The Flash. Okay, yeah. okay, yeah. So so when it, when it transitioned to the second half of the season, it switched over to Monday nights. I can't remember exactly what the ratings were, but, you know, they were still steady and all that. So I'm not too sure if it's just, like, I wouldn't say that Legends is losing steam. I mean, like he's saying, it gets, keeps getting better with every episode. And this new season is just, it's only two episodes, but this new season's already just gotten off to a great start. And I don't know why we're losing uh, viewership. Maybe it could be because of the time slot. Maybe 
people are maybe people are starting to find that maybe this more campy direction maybe isn't their cup of tea per se. Because you know, just because uh, we all watch the CW shows doesn't mean everyone else does, and maybe some people don't really like the direction that Legends is going. So maybe they kind of you know think it's too. I'd say lighthearted and too jokey and all that kind of stuff, so maybe they're dropping it, but for, for the it losing steam, no, it's it's going it's uh, been the best it's been and I just, I really hope we don't get any more drops in viewers and ratings as well Same here, I'm just uh, do you, uh, Professor X do you think possibly maybe it's superhero fatigue? With all these superhero shows going on and movies? I don't know to what extent it's superhero fatigue. I, th- I think the fact that, you know, superhero movies continue to do well and, you know, are, you know, uh, top of the box office, as long as they're, you know, reasonably good superhero movies, um, I think indicates that we haven't reached superhero fatigue yet. Uh, I do want, yeah, uh, I don't think there was anything, you know, big in terms of sports on opposite exactly. Uh, an impact on ratings. Um, I wonder whether it's it's more a function of, you know, having Arrow as the lead-in is not a good fit. Because Arrow is sort of, you know, gritty reality, especially like especially Arrow at 8 o'clock and then Legends at 9 o'clock. Legends is an 8 o'clock show. It's, it's fun. You can sit down with the kids and watch it. Um, whereas if you want to sit down and watch, you know, Arrow with your kids at 8 o'clock, it's, Daddy, what is that blood coming from? Um, and I, I think it would fit better if it was paired with uh with flash or supergirl quite frankly um you know both of which are, are much uh, lighter shows that you know deal with uh you know serious topics but of course they want uh black lightning to get the uh the flash lead in but honestly thematically black lightning and and arrow would work together better uh you know both much more gritty reality based uh you know um uh shows uh, I think, uh, than Legends does. So I think part of it is that, you know, it, it doesn't have a great lead-in from Arrow. I mean, the ratings for Arrow are not that great either. But to a certain extent, you know, Legends has always been, you know, the uh, the lowest rated of the CW Arrowverse shows. Uh, this is continuing, and I think it's a shame, because I do think that, you know, it's a show that really has found its footing and is just, you know, enjoyable week after week. But I think with Legends, it's almost one of those ones where you can't sort of dip in and out um, you know, not because you're following the big story arcs or anything like that, but just because there are so many characters and because, you know, changes happen to them. You know, uh, you know one character will leave, another character will come in uh, and things like that, that I think it's the sort of show that, you know, you have to watch a little more often. And that might be a problem in that, you know, if, if we're talking about shows that, you know, can go up or down by, you know, 200 or 250,000 people per week. Those are obviously people who aren't watching on a regular basis who are just dropping in and maybe... Uh, it's not the camp factor to it. Maybe it's that, you know, if you don't watch it, you don't get the backstory, you don't get the jokes. Um, that maybe it's gotten, you know, a little too uh, meta, almost, uh, for its own good. I don't know. I hope it's not the uh, the magic theme. Um, uh, I hope it's that people will come back to it. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I, I was distressed when I heard uh, you say those ratings off the top. Yeah, well, hopefully, I think they'll go up just... I'm just hoping it's just a, a lull in the beginning of viewership and, you know, it continues to grow because then I, I'm just fearing that they stay this bad. We won't, it won't be renewed for a, uh, the next season or it could be maybe half a season just to wrap up the entire series. So before I go on to our favorite two questions of the night, which is the MVP and rate the episode, 
Is there anything else uh, any of you would like to, to add about the episode? Seeing none, we'll proceed forward for the MVP. Which character impressed you the most and why? The rules were simple as usual. State the character that impressed you throughout the episode and why. Once that character has been chosen, no one else can choose them. Alright, we'll start with Jeffrey since he was nice enough to join me last week. Who was your MVP and why? I'm always nice. And uh, my MVP is... Oh, I'm so tempted to pick the Fairy Godmother. But I'm going to go with Zari, just because I loved her arc throughout the entire episode. I, I just thought it was uh, very strongly written, strongly acted. I, I just like everything that they did with Zari, which isn't a surprise because I loved everything that they, that they did with Zari uh, last season. So, yeah, for me, it was Zari. Loved her. All right, let's see now with James Keith, who's your MVP and why? Uh, let's see, so many great choices this episode, so many great characters, but of course, I think I'm going to have to go with the cop-out choice, and I'm going to have to go with my boy, Mr. John Constantine himself. How is that a cop-out? Because you guys would expect me to pick him, because, you know, I oh, say I'm a crush lover. on him. Yes, that's what I meant by a cop-out. But anyways, even though, you know, he wasn't, like, always in the episode and, you know, doing everything, he is kind of slowly growing to the legends. You know, of course, he came on the ship and he's like, no, no, not a legend just yet. I'm just a consultant. And then as soon as, um, you know... Sarah was like, you know, basically we're having problems. We think it's this. As soon as Constantine heard, he was like, heard what the problem was. Well, I can't speak. As soon as he heard what the problem was, his ears kind of perked on him. He's like, oh, Matt, no, that's what it is. All right, I'm coming to help. And, you know, it, the fact that Sarah didn't have to convince him or anything, he was just like, oh, there's a, um, you know, some magic uh, mishaps arrive. All right, let's go. Boom. And, uh, you know, lend his assistance to everything. I kind of feel like this is kind of the season where, again, like we were talking earlier, they're going to test run John Constantine on Legends, so they're giving him some kind of time to grow and, uh, you know, morph with the team. So I'm happy to watch that unfold and see more hijinks from John Constantine because I love Matt Ryan. I love his portrayal of Constantine. He can do no wrong in my eyes. So that's why my MVP is going to be Mr. John Constantine predictable but good job <laughs> i'm just kidding professor x your mvp sir uh my mvp and i just changed it uh, as we were talking is sarah um uh, i think uh you know she was great i think if you look at and we were talking about you know the show you know from back in the dark old days and if, if you look at how sarah's character is developed um both as a leader and as a person uh you know she had that very touching scene with zari uh towards the end where she was just there as a friend, uh, you know, in a way that Sarah wouldn't have been a couple of seasons ago. Uh, plus, we got to see her totally kick ass, even though she was wearing a full-length skirt. Um, and you know, I, I'd kind of like to find out, and I don't know if there's any intentional element to this, but I would love to find out that this sort of, you know, warmer, gentler Sarah is uh, is a function of, uh, of her relationship with, uh, with Ava. Uh, I would like to find out that that's rubbing off on her and just uh, making her a, a happier, more contented person. I that would be a very nice uh, payoff for uh, for Sarah's character. 
Oh, very true. I agree 100%. You know, and one thing I loved about Sarah in this episode was the corniness of her intro into talking about the Puritans. It was... Oh, Puritan? Yeah, get 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 ready to get your Puritan too much? Yeah. But it was beautiful. Only this show could pull that off, and it was the funniest line of the episode for me. Uh, my MVP of this episode, it's going to be Nate. I enjoyed He didn't have too much screen time, but the little he did have, it felt good. Like, it looked natural. It felt like it fit him. He looked more comfortable with it. And I felt like he did a good job. And I kind of like him in that time pure bureau position. And going forward, you know, I'm hoping it does well for the character development and seeing how he continues to interact with Ava and Gary. Next, we have Radar Episode. You guys know what to do. Rate the episode from 1 to 10. If you really love it, give it a Golden Wave Rider. Professor X, we'll start with you. Rate the episode. I don't want to go too high, but damn it, I just really enjoyed this this episode. I mean, the thing about Legends is that I will see myself sitting down and re-watching these episodes and laughing again and really enjoying it. Uh, so I'm going to, yeah, what the hell with it? 10 out of 10. All right, we got our number 10, the first 10 of the season. And just to let you guys know, last week's ratings were I gave it a 9, and Jeffrey gave it the first official Golden Wave Rider of the season on episode 1. Just a heads up. Uh, James, rate the episode, sir. You know, I'm, I think I'm going to have to kind of agree with the, the professor on this one. You know, it, I think it would... Um, Kind of, I, I'm not, I don't want to say, like, you know, obvious choice to give it a golden wave rider, but I don't want to be handing out those golden ones a little too early in the season, because, of course, we're only on the second episode. So, I'm going to kind of dial myself back a little bit, and I'm just going to go with that uh, 10 out of 10. It is, or it is and was a fantastic episode, again, full of hijinks, action, and all, like, comedy and, uh, and all that. It's just a, a perfect blend of what I expect from... You know, not just like a DC show, but like just from like a show like Legends. Like I expect it to be just this kind of bonkers, but also serious kind of comedy driven show. And it just continues to deliver each week. So 10 out of 10 for me. Wait, was that a 10? Was that another 10? Yes, it was. It was not a pay attention to anything oh, James snap. Keith said. No, I did. Wow. Just... I see how it is, Michael. I see how it is. <laughs> not true. I don't instigate Mr. Jeff. So, you know, what? I'm going to skip you. You don't get to rate the episode. I'm kidding. Jeff, rate this episode, sir. Well, I don't know what that was earlier. Maybe that was you trying to shade me or bully me into uh, um, not doing it again. But no, uh, your I threats... was to acknowledge that the, in case they gave it a Golden Wave Rider, so they wouldn't say the first of the season. Which oh, okay. Be well, there you go. That's well, why, sir. Just in case, if you were trying to bully me, it didn't work because I'm giving it a fucking Golden <laughs> Wave Rider. It was so good. I loved it. It's an instantly, immediately rewatchable. It was a whole lot of fun. It was fun, crazy, goofy, over the top, campy, all those uh, fantastic terms. But it also had a lot of heart. I love the stuff with. Sorry, uh, it was just beautifully written, and uh, her heart-to-heart with uh, Sarah was also really good as well. Uh, just everything, even Constantine and, and Mick, just fantastic. Loved it. Golden. Nice. Well, I'm going to keep this good vibe going. Not the Golden Wave Rider, but I will give it a 10. 
It was a great episode. Had a lot of fun. And just overall, it was balanced. And that's what I'm liking about these Legends episodes. And I guess I keep comparing it to when it was horrible the first season to getting better the second and finding its stride in the third and right now continuing that stride. Back you in know, season like, one, Michael, when you were just a barista. Oh, and the hunger lust for killing. <laughs> I'm so glad Sarah Lance has become an amazing character that she is today. She bothered the hell out of me in the beginning. Alrighty then. Well, people, that's our time. Please join us next time for a brand new installment of Time Masters. Once again, here's our announcer, Gideon, to remind you how you can interact with us. Thank you, Captain. Like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash pcr time masters follow perpetual radio on social media we are on facebook instagram tumblr twitter and youtube at perpetual radio do you have any questions suggestions comments or concerns email us via contact at perpetualradio.com help support perpetual radio financially by visiting gofundme.com slash perpetual radio are you interested in joining the Perpetuolo Radio team as an on-air personality or blog contributor? Email talent at perpetuoloradio.com. Binge listen to your favorite Perpetuolo Radio programs by visiting perpetuoloradio.com slash archives. You can also download tonight's broadcast and the rest of the series through Apple Podcasts and Google Play. Just search for Time Masters and subscribe. Back to you, my captain. Thanks, Gideon. Co-host, wish the listeners a good night. Good night. Remember, listeners, a dream is a wish your heart... something. <laughs> Happy Halloween! Good night, <laughs> listeners, and remember, if a fairy godmother tries to come to you, run the other direction. That's the only person that will ever approach you, James Keith. Out the line, you know it. <laughs> Maybe a Coke that- machine. With that final warning, uh, thanks for tuning in. Download new episodes of Time Masters every Wednesday via Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and the Poppy Chula Radio. Happy early Halloween, and good night, people.